in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 98 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby, and I'm not here with it, with Andy Baggerly. I'm here with Eno Saris. He is a pinch hitter for Bags. How you doing, Eno? Doing good, doing good. I, there was some something fun happened today in the world of baseball, but not to the Giants. That is not true. And what I'm going to do is step <laughs> back and let you talk for half an hour about Anthony Banda, uh, his likes, his dislikes, his spin rate, Anthony Banda monologue go wait a second they got anthony banda they did they did see this is late breaking news he was uh, uh designated for assignment by the rays and the giants swooped in with that sweet sweet cash and that is their deadline and of course you don't have to talk about anthony banda for half an hour but that's it that, that's the deadline that you know and it's i don't think that was a deadline deal that was a deal they would have made last week or next week it's just what the Giants have been doing. But no, the Giants didn't do anything. Does that surprise you? No, no, I don't think so. I I think actually things have been fairly awkward for Farhan, who might have in other years, of other iterations of the last two years, rather have been maybe bad. <laughs> and um, and that would have allowed him to have traded away people like, you know, Madison Bumgarner uh, or Kevin Gossman or... Uh, what have you on the current squad. So um, I think he just got stuck with teams that kind of overperformed. But you know, one thing that he can maybe, and this is awkward to say on a Giants podcast, uh, (laughs) but one thing you can learn from across the Bay um, is that sometimes just by not selling, you're doing a de facto buying. And I don't mean this in the sort of like semantic sense. I'm, I'm talking about like there was a collection of talent. There was a, you know, talent consolidated to certain teams. So some of the teams just got worse. You know, the Giants will play some of those teams like the D-backs, for example, just got pretty measurably worse. The Mariners. The Mariners, which they might play. I don't have a schedule in front they of me. They do, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So there's the two teams that just got worse. I don't think that Banda makes the Giants much better. I think he's probably a lefty reliever. They hope that he can find a tick or two and be a late-inning lefty reliever. But other than that, there's still a chance, I guess, that he could start for them. And just accruing arms, accruing sort of lottery picks is, you know, his lottery tickets is sort of what Farhan would be like to be doing right now. Now, I have a crackpot theory. See if you agree with this or disagree. But it seems to me that... The- that the teams that were a little ambiguous when you're talking about the Reds or the Marlins or the Mets, these teams that they aren't even 500, but they're still buying, they were getting guys who are under contract for at least next season. When you're talking about teams at the top, whether it's the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, the Braves, the Twins, uh, they weren't quite as interested in paying a price for a rental they don't need help getting to this postseason they need like a magic wand that gives them the mark lemke or the cody ross of the postseason they need they need a postseason hero and there's like no way to guarantee that so do you think that that played a factor in this to where the giants basically they had gossman they had tony watson rentals they didn't have a ton of 
under control guys that they felt comfortable trading. Was was that a huge factor? I think so. I think that if you look at uh, look think a look at the way that certain teams announced that at the end of the season they'll be cutting player development and scouting staff. That's a really awkward thing to announce right now. You think like right now you're like, oh, well, they're having a season. Things are doing about as good as we thought. They may even finish this season. There were times when we thought they wouldn't even finish this season. So like, why announce that now? What I say, what I think that says is that there's still a real nervousness within the game about how many fans will be in the seats in 2021, what the season will look like, what income will look like, what anybody will want to spend. And Mookie bets aside, like, yes, that was a big deal and that was it seemed like it was good for the health of the game, you still could have a a sort of stratification of the rich and the poor within baseball where you could still have a $330 million Mookie Betts deal and also have veterans that that are taking one and two and three million dollar make good one season one year deals at the end of this year you know veterans that you would have expected to get a better deal so i think that teams are very nervous about next year and a team like the mets has often done this where they've bought for the next year at the at the deadline um maybe just because they find that more teams are willing to trade at the deadline than are in december when teams think they can win You know, in December, every team thinks that they can build a winner. And in August, every team knows that, you know, the teams that know they're not winners, you know, are willing to trade. I like talking to you because you have an outsider's perspective and you're not necessarily tied up. You can be as honest as I cannot. And I'm curious what the outside perception of Kevin Gossman is, because, you know, he his ERA is uh, four, four and a half. And but his FIP is great. His walk uh, strikeout to walk ratio is is outstanding. Do you see this as someone who's going to get a, a fairly decent contract in this market? Uh, maybe even someone the Giants would consider extending a qualifying offer to? Or is everything going to be so unsettled that he's just on that that one year deal train and, and maybe pushing for a, the 2021 2022 offseason? Uh, well, he's on a one year, $9 million deal at the end of his thing. And if the market was super robust and happy, um, I think he could get like a three for 30 type deal um, where a team feels like he can be their fifth starter or uh, transition into the bullpen. Um, I think just one of the problems with his just looking at his strikeout to walk ratio and, and stuff like that is that they've, those have been traditionally pretty good. Um, and it's just been the home run rate that's always been an issue. And it still is an issue. And the ball is still happy fun ball. And he still only has two pitches, you know, and as much as he can try to like play around with two changeups, you know, those are too similar to really declare them separate. And he just hasn't really found a good breaking ball. So without a good breaking ball in a breaking ball league, he's kind of kind of one trick pony that's really best for like four innings. If you're going to go it, that, just, that, that, that route. And I think that doesn't that fit with sort of how you watch a Gossman outing. It's like three innings. He's striking everybody out in the fourth inning. Where do these home runs come from? Right. Yeah. He does have a little bit of a little touch of the dingeritis, uh, which, which can get a little frustrating because when you, when you watch him pitch, uh, you know, he's pitched into the, the sixth inning, I think every start, but one in the month of August. So he gets a little bit deeper, uh, but he does like, he looks fantastic. And then all of a sudden there's a hiccup and, and it's not quite as fantastic. He's, he's going to allow at least a home run every 
game, give or take. He fascinates me, though, because you see the the swing and miss stuff. You see the fastball, and he's holding that velocity deep into the Mm -hmm. game. I'm a little enamored of him, and I'm not sure if I should be. So let me ask you a hypothetical in that if you're the Giants, and the Giants aren't going to, I don't know what their budget's going to be in a post-pandemic world, but I would think they would have money to spend, uh, that they're not going to be able to spend all of it. It's kind of like Brewster's Millions. They're not going to be able to get rid of all the the room they have under their budget. Would you overpay Gossman for a year in 2021 if you're a transitional team like the Giants? Take the risk and offer, uh, extend the qualifying offer to him, knowing that you might overpay by five, six, seven, eight million, and just kind of guarantee that you have a, a something of a steady force in the rotation next year? Yeah, I think I would. I think a comparable player that did get the same treatment last year was Jake Odorizzi. And I think I think they're pretty comparable players where they've gone in and out. They've had homeritis. They don't have, you know, like a four-pitch mix or, you know, there's, there's something missing a little bit. They kind of both uh, really kind of have a hard time with the third time through the order and so on and so forth. But they're useful. And the Twins, um, maybe the Twins were closer to contention than the Giants. However, you know, the one thing that the Giants do is since they have the money, maybe next year's trade deadline will be more more robust and you get something better for Gossman next year. Maybe the team is worse and so you have more cover to sell next year. Or the team gets slightly better and Gossman is like your fourth or fifth starter and, you know, you found something else, you know? So the one thing I do like about uh, the Giants is they seem to put all the options on the table, you know? And I think if, yes, the qualifying offer will be on the table and I think even like a two to three year deal at like 20 to 30 million would would be something that they would consider because you still need pitchers, you know? And like, if you look at like the Padres or White Sox this year, you could have said before the season, it's a year too early. Now I said, you know, I think the Padres, White Sox and Blue Jays are going to are going to be better this year. I think there's going to be, you know, a real move towards youth that's already happened in the game. But in a year where depth is super important, just having a lot of youth is going to be big. And I think that's that's come to bear for those teams. But imagine if you had um, like one thing I like about the Padres is they go and sign Eric Hosmer before they're good, you know, and they 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 went and they made big deals before their window was open so that when the window did open, they weren't caught behind. Right. So you could sign Gaussman for a two to three year deal and say, well, maybe we're good at the end of it or when he's gone or maybe Elliot Ramos and Marcio, Marco Luciano and Joey Bart are up next year. And we should and we we're thinking, oh, God, I wish we had Kevin Gossman on our team and we didn't let him go. You know, let's pause to tell you about our sponsor today. Manscaped. Manscaped has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped boxer briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. Get 20% off and free shipping with code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. 
From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. I've always been a huge, huge proponent of that strategy. I like I like what the Padres did with Hosmer, uh, and to give like one of my one of the more formative examples that I can remember is when the the Tigers in two thousand and three were one of the very worst teams baseball has ever seen. They lost one hundred nineteen games that offseason. There's nothing they're going to do to fix that team and yeah, right. contender, <laughs> you know. But they went out and they signed uh, Padre Rodriguez. And everyone's like, what are you doing that for? You just throw money down the drain and they lost 90 games. And then they went into that offseason and they spent a lot of money on Maglio Ordonez. And everyone's like, oh, gosh, they're, they're throwing money down the drain again. Next year, they won the pennant. And, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like I love that you, you get these players so you have them in place when the rebuild coalesces. Uh, Jason Worth with the Nationals was another one. It's it's. It's so binary to look at it and say, no, this is a bad team. They shouldn't spend on free agency, and this is a good team, and they should. It's it's a little more fluid than that, and especially when you have a team like the Giants with a, a relatively deep farm system that, that should be spitting prospects out over the next, next couple of years. It's not just about if they're good enough to spend now. It's can you project what their needs will be in the future? And it's a very hitter-heavy farm system. So if you can, if you've identified a starting pitcher who can help you in 2021, 2022, go for it because you might have the prospects in place. You might have the good team in place. You might have found another Mike Yastrzemski. Go for it now and see what happens. Yeah, the only internal guy that I see as being a part of the rotation in, in two or three years is Logan Webb, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Seth Corey. I'm not a huge prospect guy, but it's it's an extremely hitter-heavy system. You're, if you're listing uh, the Giants' top 10 prospects, you might have one or two pitchers sneak in there, whether it's Sean Jelly or, or or Corey. But for the most part, it's you're talking Luciano, Bart, Ramos. You, those are your heavy hitters. Canario, yeah. uh, Toribio. I mean, those, those are the guys the Giants are counting on. So if you've identified a guy who's still projects to be good in 2021 2022 go for it with that velocity i mean that's the one thing with with gossman is that fastball velocity is good and production is tied to it and it usually ages poorly so to have him be 95 now is a good sign that means that hopefully by year three he's still above 93 where that's around starting pitcher average velocity is 93 93 and a half so you know you, you do these things where like you sign him and he's your number two starter when you're bad and he's your number four or five starter when you're good, um, and and then you just you just hope that the team sort of gets better around him. I could see them definitely uh, reassigning when they get a little bit. I think they get two bonuses. You know, it's uh, when there. This has actually been shown in the research. Uh, Matt Swartz over at Fangraphs did this that free agents that sign with their own teams do better than free agents that sign with a new team. I think part of that is due to sort of self scouting. Sure. Um, you know, nobody can see Gossman better than uh, the Giants right now in terms of work ethic, uh, behind the scenes stuff. That could just be all of it, you know. But um, I think that the other part of it is that he is having a bit of a resurgent year himself. And so he will have good thoughts associated with the Giants. You know, it'd be, yeah, it's different than like the Reds call and they're like, hey, we want to give you, you know, if it's like three for 27 to the Reds or three for 25 to the Giants, you might take the Giants. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm, I'm going to switch tracks a little bit uh, just because the Giants had a really acute need. If you could identify what they wanted to Relievers. acquire at the deadline. What's that? <laughs> Relievers. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, they wanted a reliever. <laughs> and and so I was watching the the trades fly by. And, and so the Padres, you know, what they gave up for Trevor Rosenthal, uh, what uh, the, the Orioles got from the Rockies for Michael Givens. Uh, it seemed like there was a high price to pay, and I was I was okay with the Giants saying, "Hey, that's that's a little too steep for us. We don't care if the guy's under contract for next year or if he's a rental. It still seems a little steep." The one that caught my eye was Archie Bradley, though. I didn't think that was as steep as the other deals. It felt like the Reds didn't have to give up too much, and so uh, I'm wondering. So the Reds gave up Josh Van Meter and Stuart Fairchild. I think Fairchild might have been in the the back half of the the top ten for the Reds. If you were the Giants in this situation, have traded a prospect from their back half of the top ten uh, for Archie Bradley? I mean, the nice part of this is that Archie Bradley is also under control for next year. Yeah. So the biggest surprises to me were Starling the, the trades of Starling Marte and Archie Bradley because you cannot it's really hard to sell in this market for prospects because you don't have scouts and you don't have data like or you might have data and you don't know how much to trust the data it's all it's a data drop situation where teams are just dropping csv files of trackman into a into like a <laughs> bucket you know yeah. why would you be like oh yeah yeah the astros i'm sure that i'm sure this data from the astros is perfect and so uh, <laughs> I was really kind of surprised. But if you look at the return that the Diamondbacks get, it makes a little more sense because Josh Van Meter and Caleb Smith, Caleb Smith came over in the other deal that they made for Starling Marte um, and one of the other pitchers that came from the Marlins, three of like the five players they got had played in the major leagues. And so I think that was important for data reasons. It was important for scouting reasons. Um, and for the Diamondbacks, it was important for keeping the rebuild on the right schedule reasons, I think. They don't want a guy in A-ball right now. I think that they're a little bit closer to, they might be, you know, there might be some epic battles between the Giants and D-backs in the near future um, as those two teams sort of rebuild at the same time. But they're not rebuilding the same way because the D-backs maybe have less pressure to win now and so they are able to sell even when they still have some playoff odds, whereas the Giants weren't able to do the sim- similar type sales. Did the Diamondbacks surprise you how complete their collapse? I mean, they have fallen flat on their face this year. They they won 85 games last year. They signed Madison Bumgarner. I know that that wasn't like uh, a metrically sound signing, but they were trying. They had a, a good core, I think. They had a lot of... I don't know, under 20 players, Kettle Marte. Did they surprise you or they like they took they caught me totally off guard? Yeah, I don't know how much to buy into it. I mean, give them another 60 games and I feel like they'd probably end up near 500. You know? So and with I, that, with that, does that surprise you that they would give up on, on Starling? And, and yes, Brad? yes. That's why I was a little surprised. But at the same time, when you look at what they got back, they got back guys that will be on their roster next year and have more years of control. So like Van Meter, I guess they must think um, could be like a starting second baseman for them. Got it. Got it. And I guess they, it, you know, if, if they're especially high on like, I don't know, Dalton Varsho or something, it makes more sense to, to get him at the lineup as soon as possible and, and use that extra year of control from Arte to, to get some younger players who are under contract for longer. But and they did, they did help their rotation next year. Um, you know, they're going to, they were going to lose Robbie Ray. They traded him. Uh, now their rotation has arms for it like you know when you when you start talking about gallon smith bumgarner weaver 
Um, and then I think the, the last guy's name was like Hector Mejia or something. They got uh, another guy. Humberto from, Mejia. Humberto Mejia. Then you start talking about like a, a group that's going to fight it out for the fifth starter. But at least you you start with credible guys one through four, right? And so they're they're starting pitching. They won't have to spend on that. And they're at every position. They have a name that they that they feel can be around average. I mean, I think what I see coming from these guys is we're going to build an eighty-one win team, eighty-five win team every year. And in the years that we're good, we'll acquire, and the years we're bad, we'll sell. I mean, that's that seems to me like the vibe I get from the D-backs. It's a very kind of Asian vibe. <laughs> Asian, I like that as an adjective. <laughs> we will be back after this. So if you are following the Giants, say, would you have rather had them do what they did, which is basically nothing, depending on how much of a fan you are of Anthony Banda, uh, but just stay stay pat, don't sell, don't buy, don't, you know, just nothing, absolutely stand pat. Or would you have rather seen them do something what the Marlins are trying to do, which is to buy, sell, to, you know, kind of move around, to be creative, to do things like trade to Caleb Smith, but they're also getting Sterling Marte, you know, so it's not a, a, a binary buy-sell sort of thing. It's they're being creative. Would you prefer the Giants to be creative or just say, nah, we're going to sit this one out? I hate to like relate this to my fantasy league, but I have to say like, <laughs> I have a couple fantasy leagues that are super deep, like 20 team dynasty. You're allowed to sign players wherever you like. I For a while I had uh, my son signed. Um, and he's, he's eight and he won't play baseball. Um, but, uh, I, what I do want to, uh, uh, point out is that the thing that gets you the most right now in baseball is a young major leaguer with years of control because prospects, nobody can see them. And the data is, is, is something to be wondered about. And so what you did not see in this trade deadline compared to other trade deadlines is like a young player with like two or three years of control left, like more Clevengers. I think the Clevenger thing was an anomaly because of the whole COVID situation on the Indians. And instead, what you saw is mostly rentals go and then some fairly good prices for guys with one year of control left after this. So who do the Giants have? To sell. Right. That's the tricky part is they had Gossman. Mike Dremski and Kevin Gossman. Right. You know, you could dig into the weeds and get like Donovan Solano or or one of their Maybe. younger relievers. But, you know, Yastrzemski's under contract for the next five years and they would have had to have been overwhelmed, I'm assuming. Nobody like him tra- was traded. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine another team overwhelming him. I, I saw, I think on MLB.com, I think there was uh, some, uh, someone proposed a mock trade of Royce Lewis uh, to the Giants and Yaz to the Twins. You know, it would have had to be something like that, like a really top tier prospect. And it probably would have also had to include an actual outfielder like it would have been like kepler and royce or something you know what i mean like it would have it, like it didn't actually make sense <laughs> yeah yeah uh, because like you wouldn't do that like for just royce lewis if you did it for like lewis and larnack and some other thing that might make sense but it wouldn't also be like how the twins work so i don't see like an easy like veteran with a year and a half left that would have brought something back gossman would, would have been interesting but that was like a straight rental so he would have gotten less then who's he com- comparable to? Uh, the rental starting pitchers that went were... I think Mike Miner was one of them. Yes. He would have gotten around what Mike Miner got. Maybe a little bit better, but not much better. And, you know, the, I, from what I know, I don't know anything, but but Melissa said that, that the A's didn't give up nothing. You know, they gave up some fairly promising talent. But fairly uh, far away, too, like 19 and 20-year-olds right. and... 
Right. You know, guys you can dream on, but not necessarily, you know, ta-da, here's the big reveal. Here's yeah. what we got. Here's the future of the and franchise. One of them might be like a defense and speed center fielder, which is uh, not a very big uh, trade piece in these days. So, yeah. So, Cosman, they could have sold. Uh, you know, I think you just uh, I think you just go to war with this because you, you might actually put a qualifying offer on Gossman. And I think the, the bullpen problems are so severe that – even if you did something where like you sold Gossman and you got a prospect, but you also went and bought like Richard Rodriguez from the pirates. Right. And you like, you got like a guy, a reliever that would, could help you in the next three, four, five years. Uh, you hope, but relievers are really hard to project year to year. And it's just as likely that even as bad as the relief core is right now for the giants, that in two years, it's better just because a starting pitcher fails they pick up a guy, they develop a guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we're trading for a reliever in their situation moves the needle much. Yeah, those are wise words. You know, it's it's so, the Giants had such a thorough bullpen collapse uh, against the A's <laughs> and then uh, against the Angels in that first game that it was easy to just your head exploded. It was, I, I didn't write the article, but I did some preliminary research to, to see how many teams blew those kind of leads in three out of four games and it's not a lot like that just doesn't really? happen even with the worst bullpens i was scrolling back for some teams you know back a, a decade or so you just don't blow three multi-run leads and four save chances it was bad and you could sense that giants fans wanted to just you know they wanted to tear kapler limb from limb they wanted to just <laughs> blow everything up and then when they started winning they were winning so handily that there wasn't a safe chance the bullpen were, didn't matter <laughs> yeah, they were just, they didn't have to figure out who the closer was or who was going to get yeah, those Yeah, because, innings. you know, I play fantasy and, like, people have asked me who the Giants closer is. And I'm like, I guess it's Trevor Gott. But, like, A, <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's very good. And B, he hasn't had a save chance in, like, a week. So I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Sam Coonrod now. I think, you know, oh, I, I went change. in. Yeah, I went in and I, I snapped up Sean Anderson in my fantasy league because I thought that was the next. Yeah, I thought he would be it going into the season, too. But he melted down. He just he's been one of the biggest disappointments of the season. I thought he was gonna take a step forward. He took three back. And I think Coonrod, he came off the IL throwing 100, 101, and the Giants are like, okay, you know, we'll we'll try this. And he got the the very last game the Giants won. He was the he was the nominal closer. So we'll see if that, that hangs out. You know, out. long term I could see uh Coonrod and Anderson and maybe Garcia as guys that do kind of flip it around and and, and are part of a better bullpen. But Coonrod gets very little out of his 99. I mean, in terms of strikeout rates, I don't know right. what's going on right now with his strikeout rates. So I wonder if we're still waiting on the secondaries to kind of be refined. You know, and Anderson has a really weird pitch mix. You know, he never really had uh, home run problems in the minors. So to be giving up three homers per nine basically right now is a little aggressive, I think. So yeah. I still have some hope for those guys, but that's still like three guys who have to be better than they are to be okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, and I I don't know how to evaluate relievers anymore because you get yeah. a guy like Wandy Peralta, and I, I really like he's got a pitch that's a, this weird slidey, cutty thing, and it goes in on righties, and I like it, but he's not getting outs, and I'm making finger quotes right now, <laughs> which seems important, and he's allowing home runs, yeah. and he's walking people. you know. So I don't know how to evaluate anyone. And then you get a guy like Tyler Rogers, who looks just, you know, for the first week of the season, looked like he... he 
had no business being in the major leagues and since then has been absolute nails and he is just a you know 80 mile per hour throwing funk baller i don't know i don't know how to pull i think, I think every bullpen, a writer. there's there, you know there's 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 room for every for every bullpen has room for for tyler rogers you know one of the things that i think of um were the bullpens that the orioles had when they were good and they had some hard throwers but they also just had weird ass pitchers. They had Darren O'Day. O'Day and Mike Mike Givens, Michael Givens. Michael Givens throws like sidearm, but his hand is upright, so the ball comes out as if it was coming over the top, but it comes out the sidearm. Um, <laughs> Zach Britton, Zach Britton uh, throws a a sinker with a cutter grip, mm. and that's that pitch that. Uh, has been hit for homers like three times in his career or something. You know? So it's like, you know, you want weird. So Tyler Rogers, I actually think will be part of the next uh, really good Giants bullpen. He might be the best bet out of them all uh, aside, you know, sort of Coonrod with the velocity. Yeah, he is fun to watch. All right. Well, thank you so much for pinch hitting for bags. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been episode 98 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing us. And we will be back on Friday this week. And we will, I don't know, see what the Giants have done in, let's see. Oh, God, Coors Field. Oh, <laughs> All right, we'll see you then. <laughs>